You're listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached during the online worship service of Central United Methodist Church. We are located in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to join us for our live worship experience through Facebook or Zoom every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Visit www.cumcballston.org for details. There you can also learn more about our congregation where we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Good morning. Today's reading is John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Jesus appears to his disciples. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive everyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out, and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The purpose of John's gospel, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When a group of people get together for the first time, and they're supposed to form a type of community, the leader will often invite the group to play some type of an icebreaker game, get to know you game, Many times they're fun and lighthearted. I've played these when I've moved on to a dorm hall in college, when I joined a cabin at summer camp, or when I've joined a new small group at church. Sometimes it's about sharing facts or trivia about yourself so that others will find something in common and you'll make a new friend. Sometimes it's just a way to get people to tell funny stories so that you all get to laugh and bond. One of the stranger games that I've been invited to play over the years is the one where you tell a story about how you got a scar. Now for years, I would only be able to talk about this one scar that I have on my arm. It was really the only one that I had. And I got it when I was about four years old because I was coloring at a friend's house and she had a lamp without a lampshade. 
when that lamp fell over and the light bulb that was on that was really hot hit my arm, it burned it pretty badly. And so I had a scar and still do. It wasn't very interesting or funny, but it was, you know, my contribution to the group. But then when I got married, I started having a couple of accidents in the kitchen, a series of three incidents from using some sharp knives, getting a scar here, opening the oven, getting another scar in my arm, and then trying to steep some tea and having that explode and unfortunately ending up in the ER from that one. I always tell people about those three right in a row because they happened pretty quickly together. And so I believe that is just my way of convincing my spouse that he should be the one to cook all of our meals because I'm just dangerous in the kitchen. But lately, I've been thinking about the wisdom of asking a group of strangers to think about the scars on their body and to tell a story about them. It's actually some dangerous territory. You see, for some people, the scars that they carry may bring up some hard memories. It might remind you of when people have intentionally tried to injure you, or it might bring up memories of an accident with fatal consequences, or it might bring up an incident that is still not yet healed in your mind, even if your body has appeared to heal. We know that combat veterans suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, they can go years and years after their bodies have healed and their minds can still take them back in an instant to that moment of trauma. Our bodies carry scars, and those scars tell the history of us. Our bodies remember. Our bodies remember. A bone that breaks and heals well is stronger in the place where the bone has knit back together again. Our bodies remember what has happened to us. Human muscle memory is an amazing thing. If you learn to play an instrument or if you learn to whittle wood or learn to knit when you're very young, that muscle memory will stay with you. And as an adult, it'll be so much easier to pick up those skills again if you haven't used them for a long time. Or if you're a musician and you know that you never want to learn a mistake as you're learning a piece of music because you will always want to make that same mistake forever and ever because of muscle memory. Our bodies remember. People suffering from the disease of dementia who have forgotten names and faces will often still remember hymns that they learned to sing as a child because our bodies remember. The risen Christ is no different. His body remembered too. The wounds of the cross did not miraculously go away at the resurrection. Instead, they were healed and present on his resurrected body. The disciples who saw the risen Christ in the upper room saw his scars. But Thomas wasn't there when Jesus showed up. And I think sometimes Thomas gets an unfair rap. 
This reputation of him being the doubter is unfair because he is not the only one who heard about the resurrection of Christ and who doubted it. He's just the one who has the bad luck of being the one with the reputation. All of the men who heard Mary say that she had seen the Lord doubted it and wanted to see for themselves and so they ran to the tomb to see it empty. But when everyone was hiding in the upper room and Jesus appeared to them, Thomas wasn't there. Those disciples got the proof that they had been seeking in the empty tomb, but where was Thomas? I think he got a bad rap for simply wanting to see what all of the other disciples saw for themselves already. Did the disciples forget that they too had doubted the news from Mary and they had to see for themselves? They were gifted with the presence of Christ where they were hiding, locked away, afraid. They were afraid for their lives because the religious officials who had killed Jesus might also want to kill the followers of Jesus. They were also afraid because their lives had fallen apart. Their leader, their friend, their teacher was gone and they didn't know what to do. But Thomas, he wasn't locked away in fear. He was out somewhere in the city. We don't know what it was that he was doing. Maybe he was buying groceries, talking to people, listening to people. Whatever Thomas was doing, he wasn't locked away in fear. This wasn't an unusual thing for Thomas. Thomas was all in on following Jesus. Earlier, when Jesus was still alive and he wanted to go see his friend Lazarus, and the other's disciples said, no, don't go because it might lead to your death. Thomas was the one who said, let us go with him that we might also die with him. Thomas believed that any risk that would lead to dying with Christ was worth it. He knew it was better to die with Christ than to live and reject him. So we shouldn't be too surprised that the disciples have locked themselves away in fear and shut the door, and Jesus has gone in through the wall to see them, and yet Thomas wasn't there, locked away, afraid. Thomas was out somewhere seeking Christ. Thomas was out trying to be a follower of Christ in a time of fear when it was natural to want to be locked away. Like the others, Thomas had some big feelings, I'm sure. He wasn't stoic, not without feeling. Thomas had also lost his teacher, his rabbi, his friend. He probably didn't have any idea what was about to come next in his life. So when he hears that Jesus is risen from the dead and that Jesus has shown up to his friends and other disciples, Thomas asks for what his friends got. Thomas asks to see the risen Christ, to touch the scars. Theologian Robert Smith suggests that Thomas demands to touch the wounds because only a wounded savior is the kind that can really know what it means to be human. Thomas was battered and broken and exhausted, and yet he was still seeking Christ. 
He wanted to discover a Christ who was also battered and bruised, but resurrected. Thomas was a little suspicious of the news of resurrection, just like those other disciples were when Mary told them about that empty tomb. But they got to see Jesus, and he wanted to see him too. How many times do we ask God to show up to be real and prove that God is at work in the midst of our lives? How many times do we say, Lord, be here. Please let it really be you. Let me know that it's you. Let my family member be okay. Lord, let me know that it's really you and let this job interview go well. Lord, let me know that it's really you and let this verdict be just. Lord, let me know that it's really you and relieve the world of some of its suffering right now. Lord, let me know that it's really you. Give me something that I can believe in when it feels like the world is falling apart. Give me something so real that I can't doubt. Have you ever been there asking for proof like Thomas? Waiting, waiting for news, waiting for hope, waiting for the right thing to happen at the right time, waiting for God to prove that God is still God and God is still good. Hoping, hoping for good news, hoping for proof, hoping that God is still God and God is still good. Asking. Asking for answers. Asking in your prayers. Asking that God will finally listen and God will heal the people who are hurting and praying that God is enough and God is God and God is good. If you have ever asked or waited or prayed like that, we're like the first disciples. If we're locked at home, worrying and wondering about what comes next in our lives, waiting, hoping, begging for answers, we're like those disciples. The answers we may be begging for might be more specific. They might be Asking God, when are we going to find a vaccine for this disease? God, where are we going to get the PPE, the protective equipment that the first responders need? Where are we going to get the wisdom to know what to do when we reopen this economy and this world? How can we live with all of this uncertainty? Locked at home, we are mourning the lives that we had waiting for new life to break through. We are waiting for some type of reassurance that God is still with us, that God is still God, and that God is still good, that God will show up, and that God can still walk through walls. Like Thomas and like Christ, we carry our history in our bodies and in this time of fear locked away in our homes, if we have known eating disorders or food scarcity, 
these times are particularly dangerous. If we have known addiction or anxiety, depression or abuse, these times are particularly dangerous and scary. We carry those memories and that history with us in our bodies. Our hopes, our fears, our dreams, all the things that we are, all the things we want, all the things we might be, we carry them in our bodies. They always come with us and they shape us. And when we let them, these things shape our faith. Our desperate need for God to be real is not a bad thing. Jesus doesn't criticize Thomas when asked for proof. Jesus extends his arms and allows Thomas to examine his wounds. When Thomas says he needs to see, Jesus shows him. Jesus says, here I am. God says the same thing to us in our time of need. God is here with us even now. God is God even now. God is good even now. God will not leave us or forsake us. God extends those scars again to us to tell the story of resurrection and new life. I pray that we, like Thomas, can reach out and see for ourselves. Today, I want to end my time a proclamation of the word by inviting you into a wordless prayer. This is a body prayer. It was created by Julian of Norwich. She was a theologian in the 14th century. She lived through the bubonic plague pandemic that spread throughout England in, I'm sorry, in 1348 and again in 1368. I think she's most often quoted with this affirmation of faith. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. She cultivated this deep peace that passes all understanding because of her prayer life. And I believe that part of the gift that she has given the church are the body prayers that she taught. The one that I'm going to invite you to join with me in today has four different poses. Await, allow, accept, and attend. The first pose is await. It's a posture of receiving. Hold your hands in front of you, whether you're seated or if you choose to stand. Hold your hands in front. Await the presence of God. The second pose is allow. A posture of opening and reaching up with the hands, allowing God's presence into your life. The third pose, accept. It takes in whatever comes, hands at your heart. And finally, attend. Extend your hands and your palms up. A willingness to act on what God calls you to do. I invite you to join with me now 
in this body prayer. Await. Await God's presence, not as you expect, hope, or imagine, but just as it is in this moment. Allow. Allow a sense of God's presence or not to come and be what it is without having to meet your expectations. Accept. Accept as a gift whatever comes or does not come. Accept that you are not in charge. Accept the infinity of God's presence who is always present to us whether we are aware of it or not. Attend. Attend to what you are called to. Attend to the action that God invites you to from this stance of openness. We pray again. Await. Allow. Accept. Attend. We pray a final time without words. Amen.